0: Good morning, everybody. It's great to have you in the house as well as joining us online as we continue our Word of Life series. We've been talking about how God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. And I I particularly like light themes. I I like light in general. Kids, can you back me up? The house gets a little creepy when you're little in the dark, right? I mean, who loves the dark at times unless you're trying to get away with something. And that is part of the aspect of this series we're working through. I like the light. You know, I remember one time um, leveraging the light to get back at people that were driving me nuts in the dark. We were at a camp and I was counseling a group of middle schoolers who were always incredibly obedient to their counselors. And um, they just want to go to bed. They just would not go to bed. And, and at camp, when you're there for seven straight days or whatever, they need to get some sleep. I mean, you want them to have fun, but at some point they gotta get some sleep. And what would happen is they'd be giggling and tickling and laughing and goofing. And finally, you're like, that's it, guys. It's time, lights out, all right? And you're a great counselor. You're shutting them down at like 1 a.m. You're not shutting them down at like 10, okay? I've given them more than enough, all right? And then it's quiet for a little bit. And then one of them, you know, you know, one of them goes, ah, da, 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 and then they're just razzed up again. Then, then in the dark, one time there was a, there were in the dark and I hear this. <laughs> sound effects are free at Renew Bible. And, um, and I'm like, I can see some shadows and I could tell one of the youngest ones was in the middle of the room standing there. I'm like, what's about to happen? And before you know it, from from the ground, they got flashlights, and they and they got this like strobe thing going, and they put it up, and they're all blinking their lights, and this guy's dancing, and you could see his you could see his motions, and it looked like he was moving like like slow. If you've ever done that with lights, and they're howling at the moon, and I tell the other council, "All right, tomorrow night it's our turn." Here's what we're gonna do. You see these lights above us? Yeah. Okay. They are super bright. In fact, look at this whoa, yeah, whoa, my word, yeah. All right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to get them real, their eyes adjusted to the dark, and then when I say, I'm going to, like, give you indicators, like, I'm going to say, like, wow, look at the ceiling, and when you hear me say, like, look at the ceiling, start sneaking over to the light switch. We're going to blast the lights and blind them out, all right? Yeah, okay? Adults behaving like children. Young adults, anyway, so... So we set it all up, they're laying on the ground, they're, they're goofing around, they're doing their noises and stuff, it's getting late, and I go, hey guys, 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 what? all lights off, all lights off, come on, it's time for bed, And we all right, all right. I'm like, what is that on the ceiling? They're like, what, what, what? Guys, what is that? Do you see that? What, what? My other counselor's still not moving, he's looking up at the ceiling. <laughs> kidding me, man? I'm like, man, what is that on the ceiling? Like, he's a, Oh, you know, he's one of those. And, um, and, and he goes over and, 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 and he sets it up. I'm like, look at it, guys, stare at it. Boom, bang, oh, they can't see nothing. They can't see nothing because it light just, you know what it does to your eyes. I mean, and even in the middle of the night, if you turn your bathroom light on, it hurts, doesn't it? You ever think when Saul was walking down the road to Damascus, Jesus appeared and God is light, Right? was part of the fact that he was blind for three days just, not just to get his attention so that he would change, but was it possible that light was so bright it literally impacted his vision for three days? You wonder, because God is light, and in him there's no darkness at all now now we know darkness is not just literal oftentimes in scripture nor is light there's a moral intellectual aspect to it but there's also metaphoric right i mean you're 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 sometimes referring to things that are in the dark or i'm in darkness right now and and we're speaking on our feelings and there's more to it than just like okay you're in the light or in your you're in the dark And, and we understand that in fact Sometimes the phrase in the dark can be used as an idiom, okay? So when you see in the dark, you, you even hear that as like a, an idiom, like like she's in the dark, he's in the dark on this one, or I'm, I'm just in the dark at work. You're not literally like, we're not like, really? They have no lights at your workplace? Nobody thinks that, right? Because we understand what an idiom is. It's It's a definition brought together by a series of words that in and of themselves wouldn't give you the definition. But when they're put together, we know it as well as the phrase. I'll give you another one. Piece of cake. Okay, hey, that's gonna be a piece of cake. You're not all like, where's the cake? Where's the piece of cake? You're like, oh, it's gonna be easy. You know, if somebody says, oh man, I really got stabbed in the back. You're not like, whoa, what happened? Like really where? No, like, at work, I got stabbed in the back. Oh, see, we know these things. How, how about up in the air? Hey, what are you doing tonight? I don't know, it's, our plans are up in the air. Nobody's like, <laughs> where are your plans? Are they like? It, we, we understand that that means, ah, they're not settled yet. How about it takes two to tango? We know that phrase, right? In the dark is also one. And and, and sometimes it happens in relationships. Sometimes people have a close, intimate relationship. Sometimes people have a very close elementary school relationship, and by high school, they're not very close. Sometimes people who say they love each other have a close, intimate relationship. And before you know it, one or the other is feeling like they're living in the dark now now, nobody in the room thinks oh oh they don't have the lights on in the room they understand that that person is feeling that way in fact our counseling center will talk about how ladies will sometimes come in and say i feel like i'm in the dark in this relationship and then phrases like this come out i feel like i don't even know him anymore I don't even know him. I mean, you're like, what are you talking about? You're married to him. You've been spending all these days. Do you Do we live in the same house. I feel like I don't even know him anymore. He's changed. He's different. He's not who I thought he was. He's not who he was. And then you can talk to the other spouse and you can hear, I'm in the dark. I mean, you know her, she shut me out. She shut me out years ago. I'm still sitting here, but she shut me out. And you know what? I just don't even know. I mean, I don't love her anymore. You don't love her anymore? I don't, I don't even know if I ever did. And, and all of a sudden now, this in the dark phrase is taking on a whole nother meaning because it's speaking of a relationship and more importantly, of a relationship that is no longer close And if there's any chance of restoration, if there's any chance of hope, we're gonna have to shine some light on it. And so today we're gonna call this message Word of Life and we're gonna call it Knowing You. How can we truly know someone and not just someone, how can we know Jesus? How can we know him better? We had a wonderful men's night on Friday night and the speaker that night, John Adams, he said, all men need to aim at something. They gotta have an aim. And he challenged the guys, are you aiming at knowing Christ better? Is that a goal? And if so, that that seems ambiguous. How can we know Christ better? My question is, do you know Jesus? Oh, Oh, I'm not saying necessarily do you know about him or that you even know of him. Do you know him? Do you have a close personal relationship? Well, our author today says, you wanna know how you know that? I'll give you three ways. Pray with me as we begin today. Heavenly Father, as we desire to know you better, I pray that you would use this message to not only affirm our faith, but to inspire our walk to be closer to what you would want for us. And that we would desire to not only be in the light, but walk in the light as you are in the light and have close fellowship with you. I pray that's a desire for everyone in the room. And if not so far, I pray by the time they walk out of here that they will feel more affirmed in their faith for having visited this book of the Bible. Thank you, Lord, for your truth. Thank you for the word of life. We ask now as we enter into this time that you would remove distraction, that you would focus our hearts, that you would humble us as we hear the word of God. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Now, not so much now that my kids are older and lots of different stages of life, but there were seasons of life where dad would have to call the occasional family meeting. And when I would call a family meeting, they didn't really run in excited for my family meetings. They kind of knew uh, dad wants to address something. And it's usually we've probably taken advantage of mom's servant heart, or we've done something here, or they're fighting and they're they're all arguing. So I'd say, everybody, come on, let's go, let's get together, all right? And they'd still be all different ages, and one would sit there quietly because it was predominantly possibly their fault. The other one could never get in trouble, even if we tried to get him in trouble. And then the other one sat as the accuser who would clear it up if mom and dad somehow got wrong, who's the fault it really was. And, and so we gather around and say, hey guys, th- this is what's up. And, and you know what? These family meetings can occur and, and, and people all have their own dynamics. But one of the things they would hear me say is, hey, hey, Heller's, Don't do that. I'm not, not, what about our neighbors? That's your neighbors. You know, my friend's allowed to. That's fine. Hellers, we're not doing that. And they would understand that this is kind of like dad isn't telling us we're out of the family if we don't. Dad's saying, this is how we do this. This is how we live out. And dad's setting the kind of patriarchal tone that this is a family dynamic that's important to dad. It's important to mom. We're not living it right now. And I want it addressed. Now, now, Home Depot, Lowe's, they have lots of stuff for your house that you can buy, right? But Hobby Lobby's got wall art, right? And, and, and they, got, they got family rule signs everywhere. Big, huge, massive eye roll for teenagers, but moms love them, right? They, they'll put them up right all over the place. I mean, and, and some of the family rules, enjoy the moment, respect each other, work and play harder, laugh often, try something new every day. And they're putting these things up because it somehow has resonated with one of the decorators of the house that that would look good in the room as well as teach some good guidelines around here. And if they're not being met, there's an impression that, hey, you know what? That's not who we are. Who we are is we're a family that makes each other smile. So let's smile, everybody. And it's kind of forced. It's kind of not always true. John's concern in the text we're reading today is he wanna gather around all his spiritual kids, Not not necessarily all his children, but he wants to gather them into a family meeting. Last week, we saw the heart of John when he said, listen, understand something. My little children, my beloved ones, there's people out there who are gonna say some things. And there's a lot of people with lip service. And I want you to understand, if we say these things, then you need to know the truth. And he targeted three last week, didn't he? He said, if we say we have fellowship, but we walk in darkness, we lie, and we don't practice the truth. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth's not in us. If we say we have not sinned ever, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Why does he have to do this? What is it with this if we say phrase? Well, there were two lights that are getting shined at this time period, the light of the righteous, but there was a lamp of the wicked, there were false teachers going around spreading lies about Jesus Christ, spreading truths as if they had a higher knowledge. They were even claiming that maybe Jesus was even a phantom and not really fully God or fully man. And he leverages his accused the ones he's accusing by saying, You're gonna hear out there these things. We have fellowship, we have no sin, we have not even sinned. This Christianity thing, it's off track. You need to follow our knowledge. We have an enlightened knowledge. And it was distracting, discouraging, and even tempting some people within the church to go, should I walk away from my faith? Proverbs talks about how sometimes there's a true light and there's a fake light. It says one's one's temporary, one's gonna last forever. It's this proverb, it says this, the light of the righteous, it shines brightly. Oh, but the lamp of the wicked, it'll be snuffed out. Make no mistake, the world offers some lights. And they appear for a little while. They say, hey, this'll numb the pain. Hey, this'll take some away the darkness. But anybody who's ever dabbled in the darkness or dabbled in the false light knows it's only temporary. You wake up the next day and there you still are. You go to bed at night by yourself and you still cry. Oh, the opinions are loud and the comments are strong on media, but the heart is broke because it's in the dark. John says, we don't want anything to do with the dark. We want to be the true light that we are. We're children of righteousness. We're children of God. And we cannot allow these false teachers to lie to us. And he says, family meeting. What? Family meeting. Gather around and listen to my letter. They didn't have photocopiers at the time. He's writing this letter. And he's saying, I'm writing to you. And he says who his audience is. He just labels them. He says this, my little children. I'm writing these things so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we do have an advocate with the Father. That's Jesus Christ, the righteous. He's the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. We looked at this, last ver- this verse last week and we talked about how when we're in the light, as children of God, when we're in the light, we have an advocate, Jesus Christ, standing right next to us going, we're together, I'm with him. Why is it important to have an advocate? Because when I dabble in the shadows, there's an accuser out there. He calls himself a child of God, look what he did, look what he did, and the advocate goes, he's with me, Father, he's with me. He's with me. Ah, oh, he is a sinner, he's a child of God. He made a mistake, confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive. God, Lord, forgive me of my sin, this one's with me, go away. The accuser comes all the time, especially if we dabble in the shadows. We get him in our heads sometimes where these voice, John says, family meeting, children, gather around. And what's neat is that's the diminutive form of the word children, little children. What do I mean by that? The diminutive form of the word, the, the name bird, okay, is birdie. So if you were like, hey, there's a bird. Or if you were like, oh, there's my birdie. I'm thinking, okay, you got a close relationship with this birdie, okay? Stay with me. If you go, there's my dad. Or if you go, daddy, there's a relationship almost comment. He leverages that. He says, my little children. He's not browbeating them. He's not, what's wrong with you? He's going, guys, gather around. Family meeting, family meeting, family meeting. My little children, I'm writing these things to you. Gather around. I don't want you to sin. I want you to walk in the light. But if you do mess up, if you do mess up, you have an advocate, Christ the righteous. But make sure you're pursuing the light. And so he said, I got these, if we say people last week, this week, it's more a family meeting talk. He's got his children gathered around. So we know our audience is children of God, my little children. And he leverages three things. If we say, if we say, look at this, if we, whoever says, excuse me, I know him. Whoever says, I know Jesus, okay? He's gonna tell us what that looks like. No, no, there's a lot of people who say, I know Jesus. It's like John's saying, there's a lot of people. You're gonna go out there and there's gonna be a lot, you're gonna have teachers at school, you're gonna have this, this. There's gonna be a lot of people who say they know Jesus. Whoever says they know him, I'm gonna tell you what it looks like. And then he says this, whoever says he abides in him, okay? Whoever says he abides, John leverages one of his favorite words for salvation abides here. And then he says, and whoever says he is in the light, this is what it's gonna look like. I hope you're curious. Because if this is true of you, then you know that not only are you in the light, but you have a close, intimate relationship with God. Why? Because he's gonna define it. He's gonna affirm, this is what it looks like when you know Jesus and he's in you and you're abiding in him. Okay, so let's hear it. He starts out. It's verse three, he says this. And by this, we know, we don't wonder. By this, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, oh, I know, oh, I know Jesus. Do you know Jesus? Oh, I know Jesus. But does not keep his commandments? He's a liar and the truth is not in him. Now, now some people are a little repellent to how black and white John is, but keep in mind, John is an older man now and he frankly doesn't really seem to care. This is how it is. I don't care what the person says. If this is how it looks, then that's the reality. He, He says a few words I think we should key in on. What does it mean to know? uh, Do I know him? Do you know about him? Do you know of him? But he gives us another word that I think helps us understand the relationship even more. He uses the word keep. Keep. What an interesting word. It means to observe. It means to continually observe. The opposite of keep would be to throw away. So what are they keeping? The commandments. They're observing the commandments. If God asks them to do something in the word of God, they desire and want to do it. No perfect people allowed in first John, but these are little children who are in the light. And if they say they know him, they'll want and habitually keep his commandments. It doesn't mean sometimes they mess up. They're gonna mess up. That's why they've got an advocate, Jesus Christ. But there are those who have no desire to keep his word. In fact, they mock it. They think it's irrelevant. They think it's stupid. They think it's for the uneducated. If that's the case in someone's heart, John's saying, red flag, they say they know Jesus. That's not what it looks like when you know him. He gives a little test. If you say you know him, you'll do what he says. It's almost like the actions will prove that there's been heart change. Not that the actions bring the heart change, that's a workspace salvation, but that the actions, they'll come from a heart that's changed. So, so I got a test for you. If you can see the screen, so if you're listening on podcasts, I got a little girl walking up a, a trail in between some trees. Could I ask the audience, if you're capable of seeing it, um, what kind of trees are these? I'm hearing a lot of the word apples. How do you know they're apple trees? Because of the tree's fruit. Okay, okay. So when you look at trees, you go, oh, clearly that's an apple tree. Why? Because you saw the fruit. John goes, now you're tracking with me. In fact, scripture doubles down on that through the mouth of Jesus Christ. He says this, In Matthew seven, beware of false prophets who come in disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. He says this, you can identify them, how, how? By what they say? By whether they have a Bible in their hands? No, no, you can identify them by their fruit. That is, by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce fruit is chopped down and thrown in the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people By their actions. Is that to say you're to be walking around going, oh, they're clearly not saved. It's not for you to judge. However, if there's a false teacher spreading lies about Jesus, oh, there might be some truth mixed in, but the reality is their actions, they will not desire to do what God says. Sometimes we get this mixed up. Because we'll hear something, we'll say, oh, that's a false teacher. But they desire to do what he says. So maybe they interpret the passage a little differently than you. Maybe they look at life a little bit differently, but they desire to do what Jesus says. That's the fruit. That's the fruit. And he dares down, he says, by this we know him, that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says I know him, but does not keep his commandments. Little children, that person's lying to you. This is how we know. We're gonna do what scripture tells us to do if we're little children. That's how we know him. And so I write these things so you don't sin. But even if you do, you have an advocate who will come alongside you. But remember, we don't wanna mess with sin because we don't wanna suffer the consequences of sin. The darkness offers fun but it's not true. It's temporary, it'll mess you up. I mean, the oven looks pretty all red and bright and shiny, but if you walk up, it's not fun to touch. And so when we say, don't, don't touch the oven, don't touch the oven, we're not saying, oh, the oven's so fun to touch. We're saying, don't hurt yourself. If we know him, we'll keep his commandments. But this no, it's just amazing, this no is so deep. This no, this knowledge is so deep that the relationship brings obedience. I mean, how well do you have to know somebody that you obey him? This, this no seems to be a little bit more than know about him. This no seems to be a little bit more like, oh yeah, I've heard of him. So how can we say we know him? How can I be sure I know him would be a better question. If I'm sitting here today, go. Do, do I know him? And you think, you go, how will I know? What would John say to me? (gasps) And you think, oh, you go back to chapter one. I know how you know someone. (laughs) The false teachers were saying they know who Jesus is. And John said, I have heard him. I have seen him. I've looked at him and I've touched him. You don't know my Jesus. I do. So that must be it. It must be if we heard him, if we've seen him, if we've looked at him, if we've touched him. But if that's the case, even that can fall short. Really? Really? If you've been at our church for any number of years, you've heard me leverage this illustration before, but it's, it's one I kind of like. I'm not typically a person who gets into, I need their autograph or I'd like to meet us. I'm not that much of a respecter of persons in that way. My wife could tell you, I'm kind of like, okay, wh- whatever. But um. I mean, I'm very different than her because like one time we were at a Gaither vocal band concert and she had a chance to meet Bill Gaither. And she was like, literally, I can't go talk to him. I can't go, come on Becca, he's not Elvis. Let's go, Let's go talk to him. And she's like, no, my word. She just loves Bill Gaither. But I was in a room and I was a little starstruck. And, and if I've got NFL fans in the house, uh, I was a little starstruck. I got invited to be a guest with a, another football player. At the Maxwell Football Club Awards. So I'm in the who's who of football. And I'm seeing faces that, you know, like are on fantasy rosters, you know? And I'm just like, wow. And I and you gotta be cool because you're not a fan. You can't be like, I'm I'm never you gotta be like, act like you belong, you know? But I mean, it was unbelievable. You get invited, and and if you're an NFL person, like Susie Colbert was there saying hello to everybody. I mean, I even got up and went to the bathroom, and Ron Jaworski is two urinals away. I'm like, what's up, man? What's up? (laughs) I mean, I was like, wow. You know, you come out of the bathroom, there's Tom Jackson walking by. I mean, Chris Berman. It's like unbelievable. I am in the NFL and I go and sit down at my table. And as I'm sitting there behind me, two tables, there's Andy Reid. So I kind of want to go say hi to Andy Reid, but I got to be cool about this. I got to act like maybe I'm in the game, you know, but I'm trying to play it cool and all these things. And our table manager says, hey guys, would you want to meet Peyton Manning over there? I noticed he's over there. You want to meet him? I mean, I mean, and the guy I went with went, he wants to meet him. I'm like, all right, let's go meet. And, and so we walked over and, and, and I heard him talking and I could hear a Southern drawl. And then I, I saw him and I kind of looked at him and realized that six, six in person is a whole different story. And as I got up to him, I introduced myself. He introduced himself, which was comical. Where are you from? I No, 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 no. Um, And I shook his hand, and his hand was two of my hands. Seems like the football looked a little small. And we exchanged some things. I'm not sure what he said, but I gave him tremendous wisdom and knowledge about the game. (laughs) If you ran across Peyton Manning and you said, hey, you remember the time you talked to Chris Eller at the Maxwell Club? He would not understand what you're even talking about because no, 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 that wasn't enough. It wasn't enough that I saw him and I looked at him and I heard him and I even touched him. It wasn't so much that I even know about him. It was whether he knows me. That's a whole nother level of relationship, isn't it? That's a whole nother level of relationship. And this is what John says, that the God of the universe offers us. Not only that we know him, not only that we know about him, but that he knows us. It's so important that he knows us. Can I rubber stamp that with a scripture passage? Look what the gospel of Matthew says. Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only he who does the will of my father who is in heaven. Okay, so, so those who obey, that's a sign that they know. But, but he says this, many will say to me on that day. So we know there's some, some prophetic language going here on that day. Lord, Lord, many will say, Lord, Lord. And I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. There will be people who had attended churches. There will be people who knew the word of God. There will be people who have, I mean, even have a couple Bible verses memorized. There will be people who have gone on youth retreats. There will be people who will say, Lord, Lord, remember me? And, and the answer is, depart from me. I didn't know you. Oh, you knew about me, but we never had that kind of relationship. Well, then you just raise the stakes a little bit, John. What else are you gonna say? He says, by this, we may know that we are in him. That, that Now he's, he's going into that close, intimate relationship where I know him and he knows me and we're walking, we're talking, we're growing closer together. He says, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. If you say you abide in him, walk as he walks. What's this word abide? What's this word walk as he walks? It's the beautiful word that means more to continue and to remain. It speaks more of a teacher-disciple relationship. It's not I know about him. It's I know him and he knows me. I know what he desires. I know what he enjoys. I know where he wants me to go and I know where he wouldn't want me to go. And I long to walk in his footsteps. I don't want to walk in my own path. I want to walk in his footsteps. And you know when someone abides in them, in God, because it changes them. Have you ever had, have you ever seen a college student? They're from the Northeast and, and the Lord calls them down to Alabama or something or Florida or Mississippi and they come back with a little bit of a Southern drawl. Have you ever seen that? You say, oh, you've clearly been around Southerners. As a child of God, people ought to be like, wow, you clearly are in the word of God a lot. You clearly have a, a prayer life where you're like, like, it's pretty obvious in the way you live. That's the idea here. And in order to maintain that kind of close relationship, scripture kind of tells us we gotta be vine dressers. We gotta, we gotta really address that remaining and that, that living situation of that close intimate relationship. In fact, it's scripture that says, says in John 15, he says, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. I mean, you're not going to be able to just, I'm going to go produce fruit. No, you can't produce fruit unless you abide in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can't do anything. I can't do anything? You can't do anything. And John leverages this whole idea of abiding and he says, listen, by this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says I abide in him ought to walk in the same way he walked. They're, they're practicing, they're living they're enjoying things that God would want. He's saying, look, the actions reveal the truth of the relationship. And it's almost like, he's like, guys, just listen, listen. Let me call you another name. Beloved, beloved, I'm writing you. I'm writing you, family, my spiritual children. I'm writing you and not a new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. He, he further explains this and he says this, At the same time, at the same time, it's not a new commandment that I'm writing you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. So now he's adding this. It's like the darkness is passing away and the true light is shining. Well, who is the light? Jesus. The word of life has come and now the gospel is shining. It's going out there. And so this old commandment is being. taken to another level with this new commandment. But John's going it's not it's not new to you. You have heard it, but um it's new in the fact that it's totally on a whole nother level. So, so what's going on here? I, I learned better with imagery. So, so, okay, the commandment's the same. The old command was love God, Deuteronomy 6, 5, and love your neighbor, Leviticus 19, 18. I mean, we know this, love God and love your neighbor. Well, well John's saying, Jesus, the shining lights come and he's taken it to a new level. Now, the new commandment, is, it's the same, but it's another level. As Jesus loved you, love one another. As Jesus loved me, as Jesus loved you. So, so the commandment remains the same. It's just going to a whole nother level. It's not only that I love, I am to love the way Jesus loved. Sacrificial love? Unconditional love? I mean, I like to love people that I like to love and the people I hate, I don't like to love. I mean, I like to love people until they get me. And if they stab me in the back, I don't love. I, I mean, I like to love, but it takes two to tango. So, so so, don't think that this is just gonna be one way. See, we have a, a, a definition of love that isn't at this level, but Jesus comes along and takes it to a whole nother level. Level, there was a marble stone that a crafter named D'Antonio worked on and worked on, but he couldn't find anything more that he could do with this. He grew frustrated with it, and he said, I can do nothing more with it. But uh, another sculptor came along and took it to a whole nother level and took the exact same stone and took it to a level they hadn't seen before. And that sculpture is the famous David sculpture by Michael Angelo. A whole nother level. Oh, you've heard of communication. But then Alexander Graham Bell came along and took it to a whole nother level. You heard about how basketball was done. And then Michael Jordan came along and took it to a whole nother level. This is a whole nother level. So describe this new commandment. Well, we can find Jesus talking about it. In the gospel of John, he says this, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Jesus, that's not a new commandment you told us in the Old Testament, oh, but it's another level. Because this love here, it's agapeo. It's love that is action, okay? More than just, more than just what you would think of as a noun, it's now an action. It's love is doing something, There's a verb aspect to it now. Brother, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. And then he says this, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Do you see what he says there? Are you following that? As I loved you, I want you to walk and love and follow in my footsteps. The way I love, I want you to love. Do you understand what this means? He's saying, I don't want you to take your cues from the bachelorette. I don't want you to take your cues from the afternoon soap opera. I don't want you to take your cues from the nightly news about what love is. I'm your cue. Just as I loved you, love one another. The world's gonna offer a lot of fake lights that call it love, but you look to me to get your cue on how to love. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You heard love God, love your neighbor. I'm telling you, love God and love one another here in the body of Christ sacrificially. Love one another with a servant's heart. Love one another that even if they do you wrong, seek to forgive them. Love one another even when they disappoint you. You don't shut them out. You don't say you're dead to me. Keep loving. It's a love that pursues. It's a love of action. I mean, I don't know how good a marriage counselor Jesus would have been. Because he would have bypassed our feelings at times. And for that woman who sits down and says, I I just don't feel like I know him. Well, then love him by getting to know him. Love is action. It's not a feeling. Love isn't what the world says. Don't take your cues from the world. The world says love's just like a noun only. It's something you fall out of like a chair or fall into like a pool. I'm so in love. It's a feeling. Love is action. Go get to know him more. And maybe you'll learn to know him more. If you don't shut him out, if you do seek to know him, and then you may, he may even sit down with a guy and say, say who says, I, I, I just don't feel like I love her anymore. Well, take the feel word out and love her. What do you mean? Um, what does love do? Um, love is patient, whether it feels like it or not. Love is sacrificial, whether it feels like it or not. Um, love is forgiving, even at times when the other person doesn't offer it back. I mean, love in verb form. And, and we, we struggle with this. Like how can it noun, verb, like, like, like how do you take something that was a noun and, and it's still a noun, but it's also a verb. Well, we do this all the time on our computers. Google is a search engine, right? That's a noun, right? It's search engine, Google. But we go and make it a verb, right? We go, I Googled that. What? Yeah, I Googled it, okay? So you took something that's like Google and you Googled it. So you made it a verb. Jesus is doing something very similar with love. You know love? Yeah, go do it. But I'm not feeling it. Yeah, yeah, that's the feelings part. Do it and let the feelings follow. That's what love. This is that love that, that is unconditional and, and, it, and it grows and it builds. But the world wants to come in and redefine love. And John says, whoever says he's in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. You got somebody walking around claiming to be in the light, yeah. And they hate They're brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. Yeah, okay. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light and him then there, there's no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother, he's in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Children of God, if you're in the light, don't mess around with the darkness of bitterness. Don't mess around with the darkness of unforgiveness. Don't mess around with the darkness of judgmentalism. You'll stumble around, get in the light. It's safe in there. It's Jesus Christ. You can love like him. We all desperately love to be loved. This love word, it's a wonderful word to hear said of you. But I know we live in a society where People are dying for someone to say, I love you, but it's often a fake love. Young parents, if there's one thing I would encourage you to establish in your house, make it incredibly common to say, I love you. Don't let pride sneak into your hallways for you'll find them in their 20s and 30s. And I love you is still not a part of your family tree. I would encourage you if that's the case, break that Thanksgiving, get some I love yous. Even if it's awkward, do it anyway because no one doesn't like to hear I love you. And if you're a father of a little girl, let me really help you out. If she doesn't hear it from you, dad, she's gonna wanna hear it from somebody. In fact, it'll make her desire to hear it even more. And dad, if she can learn to trust your arms, if she can learn to trust your words, I love you, sweetheart, she will be less inclined to find it in all the dark places because dad said, I love you in the light. Maybe I love you has gotten awkward in your marriage. Make that stop today. Pastor Chris told me I'm supposed to say I love you. That's a great start. Blame it on me. But say, I love you. I, I love, I love the verse in scripture. It says, outdo one another in showing honor. Husbands and wives, you want to restore some intimacy in your relationship? Take this as a launching pad to go. I'm gonna say I love you more than you say it to me. Oh yeah? Watch this. I'll tell you what, if you go for a season in your marriage where you're forgetting to do this, the other spouse might think, what do you want or need? Don't let the enemy win. The enemy's trying to divide your marriages. He wants you to never say, I love you. He doesn't want close intimacy. Would you like to annoy him? Would you like to drive the devil a little bit crazy in anger? Say, I love you do you know what that does for children? Even if they make fun of you, I love you to your spouse, they will most likely say it to theirs. And young people, can I give you a, a little secret? Parents, don't listen. You have no idea what it means to have your children say, I love you. You have no idea and you have no idea what it means to your mom, none. It means everything. And so when her birthday comes and dad goes, would you just sign the stupid card already? That doesn't happen, right? Don't forget to text your mom, okay? Maybe you'd be a game changer. And show love. You say, I don't know, I'm just not lovey type. Well, don't get all silly with it. Let's just talk about love being in action. I I, I mean, we're all studying now emotional EQ when you walk in the room, understanding your self awareness. Well, what's your love quotient? I mean, how loving are you? You're being called by the word of God to love your brothers and sisters in Christ. The same love, mom, you have for your child, John calls you to love you people at church who are Christians the same way. Whoa. Whoa, stand up for them if somebody talks bad about them. Come to their side when they're hurting. Step up and encourage them. I mean, we're called to love one another. That's what, that's what our savior calls us to do. But are we that loving? Fritz Ridenauer writes on 1 John. He, he, he talks about a love quotient. I took some of his things, I, 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 a little love test. You know what? Love enjoys seeing others do well. Wow. Love enjoys seeing our brothers and sisters in Christ do well. They love to rejoice with those who are rejoicing. You know what? Love helps when others are hurting. Love helps. Love doesn't go, huh, eh, that stinks. Praying for you. No, no, they try to help. Love likes others for who they are, not what they can do for them. Do you have any relationships where you know the only reason they might be talking to you is for what you can provide them? You feel it's a little contractual, don't you? That's not love. Love is unconditional. Love praises the good they see in others. Love focuses little attention on others' failures or flaws. If family dinners are spent around what that family's doing and I can't believe they're doing that, you are building a toxic environment in the house of we talk like this. And on top of that, you put the young people in that area under tremendous pressure for they know the opinions if they ever let the rules down. Love seeks to be tactful and not hurt or embarrass people. That's not what love wants to do. It will confront something though because love corrects others gently in order to protect and restore. Love remains loyal and can keep a confidence and love thinks about what is best for them. What's your love EQ? John says, whoever hates his brother is walking in darkness and whoever loves his brother like Jesus is abiding in the light. So children, gather around here. And listen, whoever, go my next slide, whoever says, I know him, and you know we know him, will be obeying God's word and bearing fruit. What does that look like? What does it look like to be bearing God's word? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the fruit of those who know him. That's the fruit of the spirit. If there's no love, no joy, no peace, no patience, no self-control, that's a red flag. But where there is someone who knows him closely, you'll see the fruit. Whoever says he abides in him Knows they ought to be walking like Jesus did. They ought to walk the way He did. I love how He says, ought to. He's imploring them, come on, children. We know Jesus. And if we say He abides in us, and whoever says He abides in Him, they ought to walk like Jesus did. How do I do that? Well, we need to be willing to allow Him to shine a little searchlight into the darkness we've been wandering in and going, hey, there's an area. There's an area where I'm not walking like Jesus. Well, there might be an area too. Search me, O God, and know my heart and see if there be any wicked way in me. Bring the light, bring the light, search it. I don't wanna be in the dark. And then, and then whoever says he is in the light will love their brother and sister. Like the world? We don't take our cues from there, like Christ. He finished this section of scripture. He says, I'm writing to you. I'm writing to you. And on my, on my word, this takes it to another level here as he closes out. I mean, if I'm sitting in a family meeting, I'm like, okay, guys, that's not who we are as a family. We're not gonna be doing that. We're gonna love one another. We're gonna say, I love you. We're not gonna be like this, okay? Hey, hey, we're gonna have an intimate relationship with Christ. It's one of our goals, all right? So how are we doing in our devotions, everybody? I mean, you're having all these things. John's like, come on, Christians do Christians read scripture. How are we doing in our scripture? I mean, this is what we gotta do. We gotta be who we are. But if I went to the next level, forgive my kids. Kids, forgive me for this, but Let me illustrate. I'm talking to you, Sydney. What? I'm talking to you, Carter. I'm talking to you, Landon. Mom, I'm kind of talking to you. Is that okay? Okay, good. Takes it to a whole nother level, doesn't it? That's exactly what John wants to do here. I'm talking to you, children. That's men, women, kids, grandparents. He says, I'm talking to you, children. Because your sins are forgiven. I'm talking to you because your sins are forgiven. You're in the light. So listen to me. I'm, ta- I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know who is from the beginning. Dad, you know what the word of God says. You can see the young person has fallen prey to what the TV says. Address it. You know. I know. I do know. I know you know. You know, from the, you know this stuff. I know, but I was just thinking it's not very popular right now. I, you know. Come on, walk in the light. I, I'm, I'm writing to you, young men. I love this. Any young guys in the church? John's like, I got a special call for young guys. Come on, because you've overcome the evil one. You don't have to fall prey to the lust and the darkness. You have overcome, stay in the light. And BS, you're not in the dark if you think you're alone. If you're a child of the God, he's doing it with you. He's with you he's, while you're clicking on anything. He's with you. And even in that moment, even that moment, we're messing around, possibly in the darkness. Our Savior's there going, He's with me. But if you want that abiding relationship, you say, I confess my sin. You're faithful and just to forgive me? Are you forgiven? He's with me. I'm writing to you, children, because you know the Father. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know Him who is from the beginning. And I write to you, young men, because you're strong and the Word of God abides in you and you've overcome the evil one. So let's live out who we are. This is how our family does this. I I, I like this summary. I I borrowed some of it from um, Chuck Swindoll's great book on this, this whole book, but I like this. Hey kids, remember in this family, we don't mess with sin. Knowing that if we do, we're going to suffer. I've adapted some of the language. We try not to foul up, but if we do, we know Jesus is on our side. We know our actions tell the truth, not our words. We know obedience reminds dad we love and respect him. We look to follow Jesus as our example. We know in this family, we love our brothers and sisters like Christ. And in this family, we wanna walk in the light. Scripture says, put on the armor of light. Not only be in the light, but walk in the light. There's armor, there's safety when you can see where you're going. But whoever hates his brother is in darkness and he stumbles. He doesn't see certain things because he doesn't have the light. He's saying keep the light on. Keep that light on. Walk in the light. There's armor in that light. Not only you in the light as a child of God, but you walk in the light. And at times you let the shining light of Jesus go into the dark. And say, "Where am I not loving the way I should?" where where am i not walking the way i should search me oh god this is the heartbeat this is the desire when you know him he knows you will jesus say to you do i know you i hope not i hope on that day you cry lord lord and he says your name how can you know well, John's been giving us affirmation. I told you I'd give you 21, some over the series. Here's, here's some from last week. He said this, you know, Jesus, do I know you? You know, you know me, God, because children of God walk in the light. Children of God have fellowship with Christians. It's what they do. Children of God admit they have sinned. It doesn't mean they're perfect. It means that's what they do. This is who they are. Children of God confess their sins. And so if you do these things, you, you, you're a child of God. There's nothing to fear. This is the fruit of a child of God. But he gave us three more today. Children of God choose to obey God's word. They desire to obey it. They don't throw it out. They don't go, this, this, is, this is crazy, or this isn't gonna be, oh man, this might get me some, lose some friends. With it. They don't do that. They go, I want to obey his word. He's more important than the other relationship I have, children of God seek to be like Jesus. Children of God love one another. These are starting to mount up. He's saying, this is who you are. So often we go, but sometimes I don't do that. Well, stop doing that. That's not who you are. Family meeting. This is who we are. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. That's the heartbeat. Love is action. And the greatest action that was ever taken was by Jesus, who while you were yet a sinner, that's the kind of love he's asking us to copy. While you were yet a sinner, he died for you. He moved first. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever, not whoever says, now whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Many will say on that day, Lord, Lord, let that not be you. Yes. Scripture talks about a snatching away in the book of 1 Thessalonians. It's, uh, it's taken from a Latin word. Its root word means rapturo or rapture. I truly believe there will be a time when Jesus will come and meet his children in the air at this rapture. And then the years to come will be a tribulation like the earth has never seen where God's wrath is poured out on sinful man. And the reality is, because the Bible hasn't failed me yet and it's proven true over and over, the reality is when that rapture happens, believers are called out of here. There may be some who attended this church, who came to our camps, who came to day camp, who were at youth ministries, who went on retreats, who will be banging on that door looking for Pastor Chris. There might be some banging on that door over there asking if Pastor Doug's here. there'll be people that might even be watching this message in the tribulation because we'll leave technology behind and we're recording things and having them there for people to see the truth. And they might even be leveraged at that time. Lord, Lord, I never knew. And I pray even that time, they'll come to know him. Although at that time, there'll be tremendous, tremendous persecution for those who call on his name you get one go on this earth church you get one go on this earth college student you get one go go on this earth senior saint you get one go on this earth and it's those who have called on the name of the lord jesus christ that are saved they're not perfect they fail but they're in the light And they have an advocate with them, Jesus Christ, when they fail. And that same wonderful, knowing relationship is offered to you. Do you know him? Or better yet, does he know you? Scripture says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. And throughout this series, it will not be like, oh, that's good to know. There will be affirmation upon affirmation upon affirmation that when the Lord returns... You're going with them. If you'd like that, with heads out and eyes closed, would you pray with me? Lord, I'm sitting in this room and I sense you're telling me it's time to clear this up. Lord, if there's anybody in here today I pray that they would not walk out these doors without calling on the name of Jesus. It's a wonderful light. And everything this world offers is temporary. It will be snuffed out. It's enjoyable for a moment, but the addiction calls us right back the next day. It's enjoyable for a moment, but the ramifications are often brokenness, bitterness, and defeat. You shine that light even into the darkest room, maybe even someone online who's sitting in a completely dark room with only the light of a laptop in front of them, and you say, would you wanna be my child? If they're listening and you're talking, I pray they pray this with me. Dear Jesus, I know I've been walking in the darkness. I want to be in the light. Would you forgive me of my sin? Would you be my savior? Jesus, I want to follow you. I want somebody who will stand alongside me when I hear the voices of shame that says, he loves me. And he tells me every day, he loves me. I ask you to be my savior today. Heavenly Father, for whoever prayed that prayer, I pray every time the word is preached, the word goes out, it would be as if they're hearing you say, even if they've never heard it from a human being in their life, may they hear you say, I love you. My little child, my beloved, now walk in the light. I'll be with you. And you have no need to fear if I ever won't be. You're coming with me. Amen.